We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another BuzzBeat episode. Don't forget, we are a member of the Blue Wire Network. It can, you can find our episodes on the newly designed BlueWirePods.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by Axios Sports. You can sign up for free at sports.axios.com. Dot com to receive a daily sports newsletter directly to your email. BG, what is going on in the triangle? Basketball is upon us. Yeah, it's crazy. This is the 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 nuttiest time of the year. It's also the most fun time of the year, if you ask me too. So ready to talk some hoops and uh, looking forward to the NBA starting up tonight. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, and uh, the Hornets getting in action uh, for the dawn of a new era here in Charlotte. It's exciting, right, Spencer? Uh, exciting uh, yeah. is, is certainly one word you could <laughs> unnerving. use. Uh, <laughs> yeah, unnerving is another. <laughs> unnerving is probably where yeah. I would lean more. No, it is. It is exciting. And, you know, it, it's it, this kind of went back and forth on our Slack um, conversation too, BG, which anybody uh, can can jump in. It's the Buzzbeat yeah. Slack. You should get in there. It's awesome. You know that that maybe it's a little bit more exciting a season that you know includes zero expectations and a lot of young players that need to develop. You know the letdown is easier, I guess, right? So so yeah. does that come with a little more excitement? Maybe excitement's not the right word, but you get the point. All right, so today we're going to talk. You know, this preseason, we're going to look at a few players that surprised us, which we've already done some, but really focus in on our favorites of the preseason. Mitch Kupchak uh, had a press conference yesterday. I thought it was more enlightening than we've heard uh, from the front office in a while. I thought it was transparent. Um, I I thought he – it sounds like we have a plan here, BG. And we're also obviously going to look ahead to the Chicago game tomorrow night, tonight, because you'll be listening to this podcast on Wednesday morning to open the season and uh, what else are we going to talk about? Oh, and Caleb uh, Martin earning a, a, a full guarantee for the Hornets this year, and Jalen McDaniels also making the 15-man roster. So we'll go over that too. So let's jump right in on that thought, BG. The number one player who maybe changed your opinion of, of them the most in the preseason, who is that for you? 
Yeah, I think I'm going to start with, uh, for, for me, the most important guy that showed something, and, and that was P.J. Washington. Look, I, I thought P.J. was a great pick at 12 for the Hornets. He was he was sort of number two on my board behind Brandon Clark back at the end of June, and and I expected him to play well, but after Summer League, you know, he's, he's hurt, he doesn't play in Summer League. You just hadn't seen him since, since he played at Kentucky, and, and so I went back and watched a lot of tape this summer, and, and I was getting... Pretty excited to see PJ uh, play this play in preseason, and obviously uh, as the regular season gets started here, exciting to see the the new young prospect in the in the pipeline for the Hornets. But just as you you reference this Busby uh, Slack third we have, and and this has been going on in the, in the text thread between you, Richie, and I as well too, and it's been I've been kicking this back and forth in my own head, but just. PJ being you don't want to get ahead of yourself. It, it comes with that preface every time. But PJ being this good, um, and obviously he's not going to shoot fifty whatever percent on threes. He's just he's not going to shoot eighty five percent at the rim. He's not LeBron, okay? Uh, obviously, but as we discussed a little bit on the last episode as well, if this guy is going to really mature into a a plus level starter and a, and a guy that could be a, um, you know a borderline all star, again, I'm getting way ahead of myself there. But let's just say that's the case. For the first time in a long time, and as much as I like Miles Bridges too, for the first time in a long time, the Hornets have a guy you can really, like a young player that you can really wrap your hands around and and really sort of feel good about going forward. He's a guy that makes sense in the modern day NBA. He can play a lot of positions, guard a lot of positions. Um, but I just thought in preseason, his athleticism surprised me a little bit. Uh, I thought he, I mean, he threw down a handful of alley-oops. He was very good in the screen roll game. Minutes with him at the center, they were very good. The Hornets played with PJ with at the five for 30 minutes in preseason. They're plus, 30, plus 24 in those minutes, uh, plus 38 net rating, scored 1.21 points per possession. A couple of the PJ stats, he, seven of his 22 field goals were dunks or three-pointers, and he was 5-9 and nine shooting from above the break on threes and 3-7 three of seven from the corners. Um, the, when, he, when he also minutes with PJ at the five, a 47% three-point attempt rate for the Hornets, too. They got up a fair amount of threes. I think they overall as a team had about a, a 38% three-point rate attempt rate, which was more closer to the middle of the pack in preseason numbers, which can be a little wonky. But uh, I just thought PJ, man, with as well as he played, it just it. You can look at all the other stuff the Hornets have now, the cap space that they have going forward, having all their first round draft picks, and you can look and say, hey, there's at least one of these guys you know for sure they can hang they can hang their hat on. And to me, it just it, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think even getting to that point with PJ was him exceeding my own expectations, if that makes sense. Uh, absolutely it does i mean i you know pj was awesome in preseason it, it was almost hard to believe how good he was right yeah. i think you just pointed <laughs> you know you just pointed out you know all the reasons and, and, and really all the statistics that that make him what he was in preseason i, I do think this is the player he's going to be for the hornets obviously he's going to make regressions in a lot of areas but like generally speaking he's a reliable nba player and i think that's what we learned in preseason and we were surprised in areas that that maybe I mean, certainly for me, the, you know, the rim run, alley-oop, go get it above the rim potential. I, I thought he was a fine athlete. I didn't think he was as consistent in, in going and finishing those plays uh, as, as he was in preseason. And it's not just about the ability to go up, jump 
high enough to grab it and throw it in the rim. A lot of NBA players can do that, but when you have to roll from you know the free throw line area or even from the three point line area and time that correctly and and pretty effortlessly, like seamlessly put it through the hoop. That takes a lot, too. There's a lot of bigs out there that are really good athletes but can't time it right, right? So that surprised me from P.J. The shooting potential, obviously, was was phenomenal. I don't want to build any more on that because you made a great case. I'm going to I'm gonna go with a guy that's gonna, probably going to surprise some people because I've been very – I haven't been nice, maybe, about my scouting. This player th- through three seasons in the NBA, Malik Monk, look, mm-hmm. it was only one game. I get it, but – Preseason's also a very small sample size. So I'm going with a small sample size answer here. That last game he played in preseason with the seven, you know, seven assists, zero turnovers, mm-hmm. um, really good offensively. I was I was pleasantly surprised, very pleasantly surprised in how under control he was with the basketball. And BG and there was a few instances with him and Billy in that game where it looked like the play was blown up and Monk didn't stop moving. Mm-hmm. He you know, he'd throw it into Billy a few times. There was one instance Billy's got it in the short post. The, the shot clock's running down. Monk throws it to him and just really instinctively and reactively runs a give-and-go with Billy, finishes it. Another time, Billy's stuck in that same sh- you know, mid-post, short-post area. He runs a little handoff with Billy as the shot clock's running down. It's almost like a real tight little pick-and-roll and then throws him a lob right there at the rim as the shot clock is getting ready to expire. It's that kind of high IQ and instinctual basketball that we haven't seen from Malik Monk, right? It's certainly not in plays that involve him not turning it over. So that was that game just from a singular standpoint was such a good sign for me. And here's the other thing. He shot 50% from the field in four games in preseason. And a lot of those um, probably I would say a higher sample than we've seen over his career came in that painted area, restricted area. So that's a really good sign because he has not been good finishing around the rim so far in his young career. Um, you know, shot 35% from behind the arc in preseason. That's fine. Certainly if we could keep him in that area, that would be fantastic over 82 games. But I don't know. M- Malik Monk, he looked different to me in that last game. BG, did you see the same thing? It was just something to the eye that looked like a more confident player and a more under-control player. And it looked like the game, for whatever reason that night, or maybe he's he's turning the corner, the game has yeah. slowed down. Yeah, no, no doubt. He looked that that's the Malik Monk you you sort of wish you had seen from day one. Um, I thought it was the best basketball game he's played. Just a you know a few minutes in a preseason game, but I thought it's the best he's looked on a basketball court. And and I couldn't tell you how long since so probably some random game last season before he got booted from the rotation. Like he 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 was he was superb, and he got downhill a lot. Like you said, he kept moving. He kept going side to side, looking to get into pick and roll. He was involved in a couple really nice transition plays with some steals and passes as well. Like I, he just he it was really refreshing to see him look that good because he had been lost for a while. Um, and you either hadn't seen him or, or if, if when he had played, he had sort of been just out there wandering around, taking a couple of three-pointers and missing 67% of them. But he just looked different. He looked like an in-control NBA player. The game wasn't going too fast for him. And I think there's something to be said, too. Like, this is a guy who I got. I went to a back-and-forth last night with uh, uh, Mike Rabinoff, who's a really – helps at the step in. It's one of the best basketball minds I know out there. And he tweeted this late last night on Monday saying, you know, I think Malik Monk is an underrated long-term prospect. People don't realize um, how unheard of it is to be like sort of like a young shot maker was sort of what he was uh, positing. And he was saying Monk is the only guy in the last three seasons with at least uh, 1,100 minutes, uh, last three seasons combined 
with 1,100 minutes, 83% free throw percentage, and two and a half threes per 70 possessions. Um, so he's checking, he's checking. I mean, those are, those are, you're sort of getting friendly with filters there a little bit. But Monk has an interesting prospect profile. And I think it goes to show you that it's hard to be a very advanced shot maker earlier in career. And if you're a guy like Malik Monk, who you, you don't you don't have a crazy wingspan, you're not a very good defender, your your passing and decision making comes and goes. It's like if you don't if your shot isn't there, it can get it can get bloody. And I think that's obviously why some of the, the catch all impact numbers with him with Malik look so bad. Um, the other thing I would offer up is like he wasn't exactly in a great player development situation, right? I mean, he's had multiple coaches, multiple coaching staff, multiple GMs. His rookie season, the G League affiliate in Greensboro was, uh, you know, it was a joke. Like he went up there once or twice and took 40 shots and then went back to Charlotte. Like he just, this is the first time and he was, you know, getting thrown in and out of the rotation for a team that was desperately trying to win now, but had an incredibly low ceiling. And there was really no room for him to play or develop and hey, maybe this is the first time we get a chance. And and perhaps we're reading a little too much into one game, but he's clearly without talent. He's clearly with talent. That's never been the question with Malik. So yeah, he I Spencer in that last game, um, man, I, I I really, really was impressed with Malik. Yeah, yeah, me too. And and you make a great point about, you know, his development system that he was under, not a great situation. You know, I, I think these are you know, Malik Monk has made these frustrations, I think, clear, maybe in not the most healthy ways, but but I think he has expressed these frustra- frustrations with being in Charlotte. And hopefully, the, I mean, this is why the Hornets put in, hired a coach that will go back and forth from Greensboro to Charlotte, mm-hmm. yep. you know, with all these young players. I mean, development is, is, is priority number one. Um, the last thing I wanted to add about Monk was really just – his ability just go back and watch the highlights of that last preseason game. He finished a lot of shots around the rim, at least two or three, maybe four, you know, through contact, not getting bumped off his spot and flailing his shoulders and his head backwards and, and looking to the official to get a call, which he has made a uh, a habit of doing. And I and I think that's part of being a smaller player. We've seen Kimball Walker do that a lot in his career. You know, you're easily bumped off your spot. But when the defenders moving their feet, you got to make a play. And so he finished some really tough shots around the basket in that last game too. I know small sample size, I get it, but wanted to, to surprise the listeners. Me talking positive about Malik Monk, uh, far and few between. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, just like while we're talking preseason, would just like to mention I was a little uh, surprised. Uh, I just thought the offense looked different. In in particular, Cody Zeller handling it so much. Um, you you know, being very active in the dribble handoff game and taking a fair amount of threes, um, which is a complete diversion from where he's been at the the first oh you know seven seasons of his career. So I thought that was something else that was notable. But my, my thought is this: to to tie Monk and, and PJ together is that like because like I said, Monk or Washington is a prospect that looks like he can like. Like he's really something that you can build on. You just you're good. You feel good about him. You know that even if this guy hits his median expectations, just hits that, he's going to be a contributing player and, and a guy that can start on a, on a playoff roster. And you just need, if that's the case, then you just need one of Monk or Bridges to pop, and then you get another mm-hmm. lottery pick in 2020. Does that make any sense? It's like yeah. th- now all of a sudden you go get Cole Anthony or Anthony Edwards or Lamelo Ball or. What you know, Hayes, any of these other guard prospects in 2020 that you like a lot, and maybe you do that again in 2021. But again, mm-hmm. you just need one of Bridges 
or or Monk to pop because PJ plus cap space and all your picks going forward, which are going to be lottery picks, and one of them might be the number one pick in you know eight months from now. Like yeah. it's just all of a sudden the foundation in Charlotte. It, again, it changes quick. It, it just changes yeah. real quickly. Yeah. And, well, and, and, if Monk, and if Monk's a special playmaker, then yeah, then add that in terms in terms of like game changing elements to the mixture in Charlotte. Well, you know, and you're you're leaning towards like a really excellent point here, BG, which is the Hornets are gonna have all the leverage in a Malik Monk potential extension, right? Like if yep. he if he really bursts to the scenes this season, mm-hmm. he still only has will have one season in his, in his career portfolio of hey, look, I can really do this. The Hornets can squeeze this next contract. I don't yep. think Miles Bridges looks like he's gonna you know he's not gonna get this Pascal Siakam. All right, extension. All right, or or this yeah. Jalen Brown extension. So yeah. PJ Washington, he's a nice player. Could he flirt with All Star potential? Maybe, but I mean, these are, are f- you know foundational pieces that aren't going to break the bank, and, mm-hmm. and 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 that fits with this slow rebuild too. So so that's something to keep in mind. With we'll see who pops. I mean, Dwayne Bacon, same thing. He, he's not, and he's also restricted in how much mm-hmm. he can receive an extension because he's second round pick. So. Uh, you know, there's nothing on this really cheap young roster that looks like it's about to get costly for Charlotte, and that's a yep. positive, I think. I, I agree, considering that coinciding with so much money coming off the books this summer and the following, too. Like, the roster's going to totally turn over, um, and, and that's something that should be sort of exciting. It's it's scary, but it beats the hell out of what they've been doing the last three years, which was desperately chasing 40 wins and trying to get the seventh seed or eighth seed in the playoffs. Yeah, correct. All right, well, let's turn to Mitch Kupchak's press conference yesterday, which I mentioned in the opening. I was, I mean, frankly, I was impressed with it. I really was. I, I thought it was transparent. I thought he answered the questions in a in a non-vague manner. I mean, I think he was honest. And I, the plan is right in front of everybody, fans, front office, players in Charlotte. Everybody's on the same page here. And maybe that's what makes this refreshing to a sense. BG, when you look back at that press conference yesterday, because there's a few things I want to discuss here, what's like the one thing that really stuck out to you? The, just the fact that they said, like, yeah, we're not planning to be players in free agency in 2020, right? Like that—that's the—that felt like the first time in a while. Um, you know, they've they've been they've been as honest as possible, and they even said this a little bit over the summer in that the 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 piece the the sit down they did with Bennell and the Observer where they basically said they were uh, blindsided or whatever by Kemba making All-NBA. Now, that was a lie and that was garbage, but what got lost because of that in that piece was them sort of also saying this too, like, you know, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna leverage this future cast space that we have and we're going to try to use that to be a place that can, you know, be a dumping ground to collect assets. And so I just think them going into this with a longer-term um understanding and and look like you're just clearing the bare minimum bar of saying like yeah we know we can't win we have very few good players like we're gonna try to like harvest future cap space and use that to turn into more assets as we build but like considering where they've been the last couple of years and considering how sour the, the the tenure with Kemba ended at the end of the 2019 regular season and then going into free agency through no fault of, of Kemba. I'm speaking specifically with the, you know, a bad situation and some, you know, I think some mismanagement of assets by the front office, but you know, they're at least now hitting a bit of the reset button. They have very little bad salary 
you know, beyond certainly beyond the next two years, and, and they're going to have plenty of, of room to 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 turn into a place that can, um, you know, if the market you know, bears it, be a place that can allow them to collect assets. And I just thought them being open and honest about it and seeing something beyond the next twelve months, I thought that was um, I thought that was important and uh, and good to hear. I agree. I think that is the one thing that came out of that press conference. You know, the savvy uh, trades and really focusing on the draft. I mean, that's <laughs> certainly refreshing. Unfortunately for Charlotte, um, you know, with all these you know with all these rookie extensions here, there's not there's not a lot of bad salary that's going to be handed out this season, likely because the free agent class really just isn't that impressive. So I don't know how desperate yeah. teams are yeah. going to be to get off bad salary. But you know, there, there's always a team trying to get off something okay whether that be a tax issue or them seeing a guy that they want to chase in the summer so we'll remain to see so i you know i think that <clears throat> that with what cup check was saying to that uh matter was really hey look um we want to be savvy we want to focus on the draft and without saying it you know we also understand there's not a lot of bad salary out there so there's no reason for us to rush into free agency um you know we we actually do want to help teams we want to be a dumping ground we want to collect assets that's going to be difficult to do this season so we really want to push it down the road you know a season longer and try to nail the draft because we're going to have a high pick and develop these young players so you know without saying everything i thought he did a really nice job of painting the picture of what the plan is uh, and, and I agree with you. I mean, that really was the number. That was the number one thing that came out of that press conference, just coming out and saying it, which was really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Another thing I found interesting, BG, and I'm interested in your thoughts. You know, Coach Borrego. Um, I think there's been a lot of chatter. You know, kind of okay. He had Kimball Walker. He missed the playoffs. Now he's stuck with this young roster that's going to be terrible. You know, you know, the road's going to be short for him, right? Mm-hmm. No, he was asked about that and said, "Look." MJ, myself, everyone in the organization understands this season's about improvement. Coach Brego will not be evaluated on his win-loss record. And he went on to talk about how, you know, how serious Coach Brego, you know, James Brego takes losses and how hard he takes it. And Cupcheck even said he needs to take it less serious. He was like, this guy is too hard on himself when his team loses. And I appreciate that from him, but that can't be a problem for him this year. I mean, Cupcheck not only said this guy won't be evaluated on it, but that he actually needs to improve his mindset in those situations, which I thought was was actually pretty fascinating. Like That might have been the most honest thing he said. But BG, knowing that, that James Borrego is not going to be evaluated on wins, losses, but really evaluated on how much these young players improve, it appears to me that's a statement of this is our guy moving forward. Where do you stand? Yeah, it certainly seems that way. I think that's I think that's a good thing. I think I you know, I don't think James Borrego had an had an A plus rookie season, you know, rookie full season as a as a head coach with the Hornets, but I, I thought he was pretty good last season. I thought for the most part, I, you can you can you can nitpick on some stuff and you know, Monk getting kicked out of the rotation later in the year, that that was an issue and they had some other stuff in terms of X's and O's along the way that wasn't amazing, but for them, you know, they got they just kept things so basic with Kemba, but with a ro- you know, lots of pick and roll, but with a roster that was so strapped for other talent, um, you know, I think JB did the best with, with what he had or close to it last season. I mean, they finished pretty close to where I think all of us would have projected them. Um, you know, granted, they got you know good health from Kimball Walker, which certainly helped uh, last season as well, too. But no, I think it's a good idea for him to get to, to remain with the team going forward. I mean, we've seen it, we've seen Brett Brown, who's another San Antonio and Spurs guy. 
you've seen how the, the card has turned for him in Philly, right? Like he shows up in Philadelphia and that's when the process starts and unparalleled losing his first couple of years there. But now look what the Sixers have become. And, and to be clear, you know, the Hornets don't have anybody anywhere close to Simmons or Embiid in terms of prospects. Um, and they're not a powerhouse franchise like the Sixers in terms of, uh, you know, having a story, you know, history and, and prestige and being in a, a huge, you know, North, you know, Northeastern city or whatever. But I, I just think if you, if you, if you think you have your guy, it doesn't hurt to stay the course with him, especially if he specializes in something like player development, that needs to be the focus this season. Like Kupchak said, it's not wins and losses. And Look, if he's not your, if he ends up not being your guy long term, that's fine. Like, you know, you could bring Greg Popovich in. This team ain't gonna win this year or next year. You know what I mean? So sure. you can use this as a way to evaluate young players and a young coach with some promise, like Borrego. So a few other things that were mentioned, you know, and elaborate on any of these if you want. I'll just run through them real quick. You know, Malik Monk. You know, Kupchak said, look, there's an expectation for him to improve. This is a big year for him. Um, you know, but he also said there's an expectation from Monk to receive a consistent role, kind of another surprise that, Mm -hmm. or or another point, you know, data point that, you know, Monk has been a little frustrated with that aspect of his time in Charlotte so far. So I thought that was a little interesting. Uh, PJ Washington, you know, Kupchak pretty much said he was, he's a little more skilled. He's a little bit more of a complete of a player than I expected coming from the guy that drafted him. So I thought, Hey, hey, that's uh, (laughs) I don't know if that's a good or bad sign, but we'll take it. And then, uh, and then Terry Rozier, you're really just complimenting his defense. He he laid out Rozier's role in this team. How you know he'll he'll be asked to play point guard, but really he's a combo guard, and that you need those guys in this league. Which I thought, okay, that's interesting. I think we're going to see a lot of Devonte Graham, Terry Rozier minutes, you know, this season. And and he also spoke highly about Devonte. Anything else about just just players in, in specific uh, that that he mentioned that surprised you? No, that I think you covered it all there. Cool. All right. Let's take a break real quick. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and the NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free at sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, but you'll also be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans got caught up on the day before it even begins and best of all there's no paywall no subscription fee nothing this is free curated sports content delivered directly to you sign up at sports.axios.com again try for free at sports.axios.com indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe they make suits shirts coats and more and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The process is simple. You first choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measure your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom 
or do it all online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. All right, let's jump into uh, Caleb Martin and Jalen McDaniels making the 15-man roster uh, and actually receiving guaranteed deals for the 2019-20 season. Um, you know, I, I, it, Caleb Martin's a feel-good story, BG. I don't think there's any question about that. Yep. You know, he he proved to be a, a, a really scrappy player uh, in preseason. He's got great athleticism. He's a, he's a feisty defender. God, this guy can – and he's a good slasher, you know, just with the ball. When he catches it, attacks the closeout or just catches it with space – He's going to go in and he's going to tear the rim up, right? Like he's a little bit, he has some highlight potential. Um, If he can learn to shoot, man, he's going to be a a pretty decent prospect at a good price. Jalen McDaniels is the other one. Obviously, we know about him. You know, he's 6'10, he's long, he's athletic. I mean, there's a pie in the sky idea with a player like Jalen. And what is interesting is that Charlotte gave him. A, really a four-year deal now the first yeah. three are all non-guaranteed and then there's a team option on the fourth but you know that is that's a little extra uh nudge to Jalen to to really really take this seriously I, I think is what that was meant to be so uh, reactions on those two guys making the 15 man roster which I wouldn't have guessed before preseason yeah certainly not I think I think Caleb Martin is is a is a fairly big upset I, I just didn't see him as a as a serious NBA prospect and I think he still has some issues with feel but he played hard as hell and played very well off the bench for the Hornets in preseason. These contracts, especially the McDaniels one because of the fourth year, they really feel like we were just talking about the the 76ers here. They really feel like those second round deals that the the 76ers used at the initial stages of the of uh, of the process, right? Taking guys, throwing them these these non-guaranteed deals um, with multiple years on them and if you you end up hitting a home run on one of these guys or even a, a single or a double, you just you find an NBA player out of here, well then you pat yourself on the back. If not, um, there, there's no real no real risk here. Now you've got seven of the of the 15 dudes on Charlotte's roster, guys they drafted over just the last three years, that includes four second-round picks. I find that sort of interesting. And that list, of course, doesn't include Caleb Martin. Like you factor him into that. Now you've got over half the roster are guys that this team, uh, you know, drafted or signed off the street essentially uh, over the last three years. And as you, that also includes, you know, going back even further, you can factor in guys like MKG and Cody Zeller. Just like this roster is fairly homegrown. Um, and just remember, again, this team has all of their first-round picks going forward, and they've got 20 mil. They're one of four teams that's on pace to have 20 million dollars in cap space uh, next summer, along with like Memphis, Cleveland, and I, I think Atlanta as well. So mm-hmm. just something to keep in mind. Like, there's going to be a fair amount of turnover coming coming in, but just good to see Charlotte, you know, using some of their second round second round picks. And uh, using some of these 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 tactics on the margins to maybe try to find some some you know rotation NBA players. 
Yeah, exactly. And the last thing I would add to that is they're, they're little trade nuggets. I mean, not not this season because they don't, they're not even going to make a million dollars this season. But, you know, next season their cap hit um, is about $1.5 million. That's $3 million combined. I mean, that that in this league is sometimes the difference between a trade happening and not. So, you know, and it's a non-guaranteed deal. So, you know, it's effectively an expiring contract. So that's the other thing to keep in mind with this. All right, well, let, let's jump to – Tonight, when you're listening to this podcast, Charlotte hosts Chicago. You know, I think there's a few things in this game that I find interesting. You know, Zach Levine, you hear it across the across the NBA nation here. <laughs> it's time for him to take a step forward. You know, I, I'm interested in that matchup um, defensively. You know, I'm assuming that Dwayne Bacon is going to guard Levine. But, you know, I, I'm excited to see Levine play and how the Hornets match up with him, if they can force him into some tough jump shots. And then the front court matchup. Cody yeah. Zeller, you know, versus you know your our, our good uh, Duke friend. Why am I blanking on his name Wendell right now? Carter Wendell Jr. Carter. Yeah, Wendell Carter. Guy. I'm sorry, the the guy. And then probably the one the matchup that I, I really don't know what the Hornets are going to do with Laurie Markinen uh, <laughs> at the power four position. I, you know, Miles has I, got him. <laughs> yeah, this is that. See, and this is that one of those games where I kind of wish Marvin was starting. Uh, yeah, you know, because yeah. this is just a matchup that he good could. Point. You know he could he could be competent here. He could he could be physical with him. He could get out to the perimeter and guard Laurie where he really wants to hurt you. So, just a few of the things I'm watching in this game. BG, what are you looking at? Yeah, I mean you you said it with the front court. I'll be I'll be very curious to see how many minutes uh, PJ Washington plays at the five, and do any of those minutes come against Wendell Carter playing center for for Chicago? Like I'd love to see. Some PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, the four or five minutes against Larry Markinen um, and Wendell Carter for the Bulls. I mean, that, that might get ugly for the Hornets, but I just want to see it. Like, I just want to see these young guys, some of the, the better, you know, lottery prospects from the last three drafts, and I'd like to see them go at it. Um, I think that is exciting. And then, Spencer, Got to keep an eye on over under the number of assists that Kobe White has in this game will be something to monitor to there. We're just going to start that line amazingly at 0.5 for assists in this game <laughs> for Kobe White. Um, he certainly put up some points in preseason. What, point guard of the future, Kobe White? Yeah. Are we talking about? Okay. And, and, I, and I like Kobe White, but boy, he's got a long way to go. And, and I don't know if, again, I don't know if Kobe White's also long-term is a uh, – you know, as a primary ball handler, but I think just with his skills, he, he can play offensive basketball. But yeah, 1.4 assists per 36 minutes in the preseason. That is, those are not uh, Chris Paulian levels of uh, of floor running and uh, passing in the half court there. By yeah, Kobe BG, White. and and I didn't, you know, I, I didn't expect him to be an awesome passer, but these numbers are yeah. certainly low. But if you watched, if you watched him in college. I don't know why you'd be shocked to see no. that number. Yeah. No, it's so. not. And, and he's a guy, look, he, I, I thought Kobe's a guy that was going to have trouble with his handle this year, de- dealing with uh, tight defense, defense in tight spaces, and finishing through contact at the rim. But, yeah, like, Kobe's Kobe's a bit of a gunner. Like, he's got some – there's some monk in his – Malik Monk in his game. You know what I mean? You know, he, he reminds me a lot of, like, a Ben Gordon kind of guy. I mean, mm-hmm. that's – you know, yeah. not, not like a, a really true point guard, but eventually I think if things fall right for him, you know, he, he's a volume – you can start him if you want. I think he probably fits more as a six man as he grows his offensive player. But yeah, I, I'm not for the people that thought he was going to come in and be the point guard of the future for Chicago, yeah. which I've heard a lot of that chatter. It's like, guys, you didn't watch him in Chapel Hill. You got to dial it back a little bit. I think the hope would be. I mean, these guys are very different players, and, and this other guy I'm about to mention came into the league way later. 
um, than, than Kobe White did too. And, and, and again, I'm not saying they're similar players, but I'm saying they could have a, a similar role. But to, to sort of see what Malcolm Brogdon became around Giannis last season, does that make mm-hmm. any sense? Like, mm-hmm. I think Kobe's a guy because he shot, he shot very well off the catch from three last season, ab- above 40%. And I just think as he gets better at attacking closeouts, which is something that doesn't happen a ton in Carolina's offense. Not a ton of like slash and kick and spot up, you know, more random motion and stuff like that. Um, I think that's where his game could evolve and he could become a, a better, you know, a second side guy, a guy that can can run a pick and roll with the with the second unit. And I think again, I think he's a guy that can start and score a lot of points in the NBA. It's just I think year one's gonna be gonna be rough for Kobe White. But something to keep an eye on. Uh no, one more thing to keep an eye on, uh Wednesday night against Chicago. All right, line is two and a half, Chicago. At least last time I checked it it was. BG, yeah. quick prediction. Quick prediction. I will take – so Chicago's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, so correct. home dog theory home here. Home dog here. You know what? I like the I like the Hornets to I like the Hornets to win Wednesday night, man. I really do. It's gonna be when they go west. That's when things get really bad for <laughs> for the Hornets here, and they're gonna lose a lot this year. But no, I think they I think they win in front of a home crowd Wednesday night. You know, I I would take the two and a half points here for Charlotte. I, I don't know if I, yeah. I'd go as far. I think it's gonna be a close game. I really do think it could be a one possession game here at the buzzer. Um, That's probably a safer could, bet, honestly. You, you could totally see the Hornets going two and zero right out of the gates, beat Chicago, beat Minnesota, and then go out west. And it's like, uh, okay, God. all right, we get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, all right, guys. Well, let's get out of here. We got you in and out quickly. Happy NBA Charlotte Woo. Hornets game day. Uh, we're here. Do not forget. Uh, you can always you can always go on uh, on iTunes and give us that five star rating and review uh, again on Apple Podcasts. Please go do that. A lot of you guys have been great about doing that, and I think Richie mentioned last week we're almost at like seventy five reviews. So yep. please continue to give us those ratings and reviews. We really appreciate that. We need it, and we want to know what we can get better at. All right, so we'll see you guys next week. Go Hornets. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.